Scott, have I have a movie for you. Oh, I'd like to hear it. So you know the hot new actress at the moment, fresh off her movie with the bus? Yeah. What's her face? Um, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Okay. We're going to put her in a movie. Okay. It's going to be an action thriller. Love it. And we're going to take all the things that people loved about her in Speed. Yeah. The charm, the witch, just the quirky, uh, you know, all-American girl. Uh Uh-huh. We're going to take that right out. Colin, I have some notes. Welcome to I Have Some Notes. This is the movie podcast, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, where we take movies based on cutting-edge science from 34 years ago uh, and break it down for your viewing pleasure. Uh, My name is Colin McIntyre. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Joining us on the podcast today, we have from the Kino Lefter podcast, we have Abdul Malik. Hello, uh, I'm Abdul. I'm from Kino Lefter, a left-wing podcast that talks movies, and I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, The movie we are doing is the uh, 1995, yes, there was a 1995 uh, cyber, I'm going to air quote, cyber mystery thriller called The Net. Uh, starring uh, Sandra Bullock, who uh, this was I w- this wasn't peak Sandra Bullock, but it was getting close to peak pretty, Sandra Bullock. Yeah, it's pretty close. Um, Sandra Bullock, uh, Jeremy Northam, uh, Dennis Miller, also co-starring FedEx Pizza.net and Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh, was this also peak Dennis Miller? <laughs> this might have been. This might have been on the oh, tail, end of, been the was, tail yeah. end of peak Dennis Miller. Um, it was directed by Erwin Winkler, who sadly is not related to Henry Winkler. However, uh, has quite an he has quite an accomplished. A Hollywood resume. He was actually a producer of um, such films, including all of the Rockies, uh, at least all of, like the kind of the, the '80s Rockies. Raging Bull. He won an Oscar for the first Rocky, uh, and this was him kind of dabbling his toes into the directing chair. And oh, <laughs> Doctor, did not go well. Uh, movie had a budget of twenty-two million dollars and made uh, one hundred and ten million dollars. Jesus, that right? actually, actually made one hundred and ten million dollars. Hey. I mean, Sandra Bullock's got to eat. <laughs> Abs- yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You, that's that's coasting money. Uh, we're gonna get into the. Uh, we're gonna let's jump into the trailer and then we'll listen to Scott's plot summary. We all live in the age of information. We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my bottom? Every trace of our existence is computerized. Everything about us is encoded somewhere. On a complex network of information. Computers your life, aren't they? Yes. Perfect hiding place. Computer analyst Angela Bennett was just doing her job. Oh my god. When she stumbled onto something. What is this? She never should have seen. I plugged it in and I'm staring at the personal medical files of the Undersecretary of Defense, Michael Bergstrom. Now. They're manipulating her world. You can make it reality, won't you choose? According to the Department of Motor Vehicles, you're Ruth Marks. And erasing her identity. We've got an outstanding warrant for Ruth Marks and federal charges. I am Angela Bennett! Just give us the disc and we'll give you your life back. She has the evidence. She's copied the disc. Have a girl. But they have the power. 
Angela Bennett is the nicest suburban computer hacker you ever did meet. She politely fixes games like Wolfenstein for a developer who just wants to boink her and happily chats with gross men online who also just want to boink her. Her life seems pretty simple until a journalist asks her to investigate a strange website containing nefarious code which could break into any computer on the planet. The journalist dies en route to meet up with her, and Angela's like, that's weird, whatever, I'm late for my vacation. On a Mexican beach, she is seduced by a hunky rogue named Jack who's working for a shadow organization which is out to steal the disc Angela loaded the backdoor code into and, for some reason, took with her to Mexico. The hunky rogue gets his disc, is set to kill Angela, but whoops! boinks her instead. Turns out, I just like making Scott say boink. Boink, boink, boink. Angela barely escapes and returns to the States, only to find out her identity has been stolen. Now she must fight an evil shadow organization called Greg, not related to Greg Beaver, to win her life back. I would actually, I'm going to say, actually, I thought for sure that Greg uh, Beaver was the uh, the villain in the movie. Since, <laughs> since, since the name was like, was it not called the Greg Organization? Yeah. With the, um, the, with the correct uh, the correct spelling of the name. Point of order, it's not a journalist who actually gives her that information. It's found by uh, the developer that she uh, gets a job at later, quote, unquote. Oh, is it a... De- I must have... Yeah. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, this a coworker, is, right? Yeah, this is weird. You should look into Scott, this. I was already bored at that point. I couldn't be bothered to pay much more attention. Be- before we start, can I just throw my, my first change, even before we go into the changes? I hereby rename this movie as From the Net to The Nap. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hi-yo. There, that's my opinion Greg what did you think of the movie uh, well I was very bored oh, yeah. uh, throughout the in- entire runtime. I actually at a certain point we, uh, me and my wife Erin uh, paused uh, Netflix to see how much time was left and there was it felt like two hours there was still 40 minutes left Colin it was uh, it was awful oh, yeah. uh, I, like we've done we've done movies that have been sort of insufferable on this podcast but yes, uh, this wasn't quite that but it was the snooziest it's hard to say that a movie is a slow burn when the pot never boils <laughs> <laughs> it's just like waiting for an egg to cook on the sidewalk right yeah. like yeah. It's it's insufferable because it feels like nothing like the protagonist spins her wheels until literally the last 10 minutes of the movie. And that is so frustrating to watch. Does it really feel like it should be called the net? I know you wanted to call it a nap and and it's a very funny joke, but like, like in all seriousness, is it really that much about the internet? It's so 90s though. Like, it's just like the internet was this new scary thing. So everything was the net. You know what I mean? You've got mail, uh, reboot, like just like vague computer terms that like people think, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get why the movie was made because we always make movies about technology that scares us. Right. Uh, but like she, the character of Angela Bennett only has, by my count, two computer scenes where she does anything despite of relevance on the computer. And supposed two to computer, be a very oh. good computer programmer. Yeah, and two computer screens as well. Um, huh? Oh, you said she had two computer scenes. Uh, <laughs> That's um, true. There was two. She was on two different computers. Is the net perhaps referring to the trap that's laid for her? Like, uh, yeah, is it I, metaphorical I, net? Yeah, I think it's a double. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, I think I think one of the issues with this movie is that like is that there does seem to be there's like f- just multiple layers of villains in the movie. So she's got a she's she's trying to you know she's got. Uh, Jack Devil Devil in Jack Devlin chasing her, evil James Bond. Plus you've got uh the fake Angela Bennett. You know, fake Angela Bennett. Uh you know, Jack is working for 
Greg Computer something bad company. <laughs> Praetorian. And yeah, then they're then they're connected to like that the cyber terrorist group. So it's like But here's the thing. In on paper that works because yes. we're dealing with a conspiracy thriller. But yeah. the problem is that it never gets thrilling. No. <laughs> Because she, thr- she never – the way that a conspiracy thriller is supposed to work is that your heroes are are knocked down, and while they're on the run, they're picking up clues, and they're piecing things together. But yeah. she never – she doesn't do that until literally she gets everything in the last 15 minutes of the movie, and then has the agency to do something. Like, she never – she doesn't know what's going on or what's happening to her for – 80% of this film. Yeah. And that's, again, it's frustrating to watch because yeah. she's spinning her wheels. We know what's going on to her because we can see stuff from the villain's perspective, but she doesn't. And watching her be a clueless damsel in distress for so long is very dull. Yeah, when when the, the I think the part where I got the most frustrated with the movie was when Cyberbob dies because I felt like that was the point at which she, she was kind of making some traction. She talked to someone who seemed to understand a little bit of what was going on with her. And I felt like, at last, she's going to meet Cyberbob, oh, yeah, and yeah. he is going to barf a whole bunch of exposition at her, and, and then the movie will have some wheels, finally. Well, that happens... A couple times, it's like she meets her therapist, the one person who can vouch for her identity, and then he's promptly killed. And then she reaches out to her hacker friends who might be able to help her, and then they're promptly killed. And then oh, there's there's another moment, too, where it looks like she's gained some agency finally, and then it's taken away from her. And it's just, ugh. Let her do something. And also just like the whole point of the movie, she's just naive and trusting to like everyone she meets, even when she shouldn't be. Um, like when she's in the uh, in the embassy uh, in, where was she on vacation? Uh, Mexico. Mexico, Mexico yeah. yeah. When she's in the American embassy in Mexico, uh, and they're just like, oh, just sign your name as your fake name and everything will be fine. She's like, oh, I, I have no steps to escalate this. I'll just pretend to be someone else and everything will be fine, right? Like, just cluelessly goes along with it. Like, it, yeah, incredibly unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Scott makes a point, too, where it's like, it's like on paper, I think it even, like, it, it, like even the, the premise sounds okay. Like, oh, a woman has their identity stolen and trying to race to find it back. Um, but yeah, like, the execution is just, like, super flat. Like, just super duper, yeah. duper flat. And I think the other problem too is that this was kind of this was um, part of the uh, the cold open was that um, you they Sandra Bullock in this time period is she she's she is the new it girl and and she's you know has part because she has this this persona this charm uh, and even that's sort of like muffled under a blanket here like she's not she's just she's just she, there's there there that char- that charisma isn't there. But you know, I would say even also her character doesn't let you really get on board with her, right? Too, because she's just sort of, you know, you can you can she doesn't seem like she's really enjoying her life and having fun. So so it'd be different if it was she's like she's like yeah I'm I'm owning this I love what I'm doing and all this other stuff and then having that taken away from her. But she's sort of like it's sort of just a thing happens to her and you're just sort of like okay, uh, great sort of sure. Yeah, nothing nothing that happens to her really hits with any emotional weight. Yeah. And that's definitely a big problem. Yeah. Uh, and and maybe part of that is is um I I found her character a little bit confusing because I I I I think the idea was 
that she was um, so much of a loner and so into her work that when she gets her identity stolen, it's ironic because she's got no one oh, yeah, right. to yeah. help her, right? Because no she's isolated and her herself mom has so much. Alzheimer's so her mom yeah, can't like, right? vouch for who she is. And- but she's so... She's so nice and bubbly that this sort of like isolationist bit is it's it's um it doesn't track it doesn't feel like it's a quirk of hers. Yeah. Also, most shut-in introverts probably don't take solo vacations to Mexico. Well, and they certainly don't just like just start chatting up people like like you if you if, if she was going to start chatting up hunky McDreamy on the <laughs> on the beach, yeah. then at the very least she should have been really repelled by him at first like yeah. there needed to be more like a like him winning her over. winning over her her isolationist tendencies. it could have been a romantic comedy at that point yeah that would have been great actually yeah. it's funny you bring up the the opening because the first like two scenes of the movie are full of so much promise like there's the undersecretary of defense i think who yeah. makes yeah. a like a, makes a phone call to his kid and then like kills himself and you're like oh why why did this happen right and yeah. then it starts with that shot where like we go through the skylight into her like you know i'd know like neat incel you know cave or whatever they called it in the 90s mm-hmm. <laughs> um and that is legitimately the only memorable shot in the movie. <laughs> like it's uh, yeah. the only thoughtful shot in the entire film. The cinematography is weird. Like this movie doesn't make a lot of choices when it comes to <laughs> cinematography, but when it does, it's super weird. Like the the close-ups of the of the mouth. Oh yeah, and <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Matter, there's a lot of just like there's a lot of really weird composition where it's just like we're just going to do a bunch of shot reverse shot with people in a scene where it's not really appropriate. There, there was in that opening scene that you were talking about um, when the the secretary is coming down the the steps of whatever American building that is. Sorry, Americans, I don't know all your buildings. Uh, he, okay, he's standing on the steps. the the shot is the shot is uh, like a, a mid range close up, so you see his waist, and then like his his aide kind of pops up on a couple steps below him, but it's like framed <laughs> so weird because he's a couple steps below, so you only really see the top of his head pop out from the bottom of the frame. And I was like, that is weird framing. That is strange. Yeah. Do you? Fe- I feel like for all the good shots in this movie, were just the producers uh, or the director's famous uh, directing friends coming in, being like, "Let me just direct one shot for you there." Uh, yeah, maybe I mean? he was over controlling and just the D- DOP couldn't get anything anything done. Uh, let's actually. I'm going to check the DOP credits very quickly. <laughs> Jack N. Green. Wow. Um, yeah, he he's the cinematographer for Unforgiven, which is a beautifully shot movie. Um, he's done so much. Oh, oh, his career ended with Left Behind. Um, Uh-oh. I guess this might have been the, the beginning of the end for, <laughs> for, uh, for Mr. Green. It seems like that happens a lot in Hollywood. Is like you're 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 good until you're not, and then somehow you just like it's like it seems like sometimes directors just forget how to direct. Like they 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 like Ridley Scott. Well, all example. the '80s directors like Brian De Palma, yeah. right? Um, who's the guy who did uh, John Carpenter too? Uh, they just sort of were good until one day. I guess the '90s hit and it hit them like a freight train. <laughs> like they forgot how to be good. Yeah, I wonder if it's more. If it's more like we're looking back at those movies with rose-colored glasses, or whether it's actually their the the their skills have dropped off somehow. 
Well, there's something to be said about... Or they're men out of time. That could be well, yeah. But there's also something to be said about directing kind of guerrilla style. You're in the trenches. You're on a shoestring budget. You've got the studio breathing down your, your back. You've got time crunch. And that pushes you to be better and to take yeah. chances and to like fly by the seat of your pants. And then now you're successful... And you can George Lucas it. You can have everything set up in a single room so you don't have to leave, you know, early in the morning or late at night to get to this, the shooting locations or go out of town. You can sit in a chair with your coffee and just shout action and cut all day. Yeah. And you don't actually have to get up and do anything. Like, because you've got the budget, you've got the confidence of the studio. And it's now, it's just you sitting back and relaxing. Yeah. And you don't have people saying no to you. Yeah. And just- that's that's like what happened to William Friedkin, right? Like, he made The Exorcist and Sorcerer and, like, uh, To Live and Die. No, was it To Live and Die in the Light? He made another movie. Um, it was really... And then he had this terrible period, but then he went back to, like, making indies for no money. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, he's amazing again. He made, like, Bug and Killer Joe and, like, his, like, thoughtful, very smart, yeah. like, thrillers that were amazing. That didn't work for Kevin Smith. His movies kept being crappy. <laughs> Red State's like an okay yeah, film. Yeah, it's not terrible. He wrote it in three days, <laughs> uh, which you can tell. I would like to um, uh, add um, sort of like this guy kind of thought it didn't drive over, um, that we can, add, we can add sort of a, um, a, a kind of a, a list of roster of, uh, I'm going to call them the I Have Some Notes super team featuring objects that actually are the true heroes of the movie. So uh, the very first one we talked about, this was years back, was Dangly Rope from um, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, I want to add 1994 floppy disk uh, to to this as well as uh, part of that, that the superhero object uh um, I, I accept this trope. submission. Or, or <laughs> to the if, to the if, hero if, object hall of fame. If, for the, if if not if not the floppy disk itself, then FBI email, uh, which is kind of which is my favorite part of the movie about how it's just the mo- one email solved your problems. Logging on to FBI email saying, "Help, trouble, please see attachment, send." Also, I I, I love that um, her hacking was literally typing in. Who is and the yes. name of the person she wanted to find out about? Yeah, maybe it should have established that that was a program she had written or something. Yeah, that yeah. she could find information on people online. Which is, her- is that is that maybe one of the one like so? You, Scott mentioned just sort of like giving giving the giving Angela something to do, but I mean, so in addition to kind of not really sort of establish, kind of we're not we don't get Sandra's charm, but we really really never really get the sense that like you know. Programmers are smart people. They got a lot of things going on in the brain mass, right? And we never really get her get see too much of of her, like again, get up until like the last like twenty minutes of like her trying to like like outsmart her, kind of like using her brain to kind of get out of jams. And yeah, stuff. we're we're gonna get into that. In yeah, a second. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've we've dumped on this movie quite a bit. Is Not there enough. any is there anything that we liked about this movie? I like pizza.net, by the way. That's my my favorite part. The idea that you're ordering pizza even back in 1995. Well, the um, first, like, her introduction, the first, like, five, ten minutes of the movie while she's doing her computer work, really, to me, felt like like a layman's introduction to the future. Yes. Like, look at all the wonderful things you can do with this internet. It felt like one of of those VHS tapes you watched to learn about AOL. You can chat with people online. You can order pizza. You can get your mail. You can turn on the fireplace and enjoy a crackling (laughs) 8-bit fire. So you've decided to hop on the Information 
super highway. <laughs> Let me tell you all the wonderful things you can yeah. do when you take a couple exits. You know what I mean? Like, it's very that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that wasn't terrible about this movie was uh, what Sandra Bullock did with what she was given. You know what I mean? Like, I thought her performance wasn't great, but... I feel like that was more of the script than it was her. Oh, like, you yeah, can tell definitely she's not her yeah. She obviously had not great director, and uh, I like that she killed the guy. That was kind of cool. I mean, that's a, that'll be a story for her to tell. <laughs> and she can tell her mom, and her mom will remember. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell her mom anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's trying to. I was afraid you were going to ask what we were going to like, because I like Music? not much. Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, no. There's really, yeah. It's this is a it's, very. It's it's a hard one to pick little tidbits about. I guess, um, the 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 vacation and sort of like the the turn of the bad guy was handled okay. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I thought Jeremy Northam was pretty good as Jack Devlin. Yeah. Again, it's a situation Slide. similar to Sandra Bullock, where he he looked like he worked with what he was given, and he did. I he was detestable. But yeah. in the good way. I wanted they wanted yeah. me to hate him, yeah. and I did by the end of the movie. Yeah. So um, yeah. on a script level, I actually don't hate the complexity of it. I think it could have been executed like so much better. But you can't actually say that the scriptwriter didn't aspire to create like a Manchurian candidate parallax view style conspiracy movie, right? And he just yeah. ended up giving it to the worst person to make it. <laughs> I I think I feel like the the plot beats uh, are are probably there to you, you probably don't need to mess around with the absolute bare bones of it too much i could be wrong i don't know scott you're staring at me is that, there's am I wrong there are things that need fixed in this movie. okay there are and again part of my issue is that she doesn't get any clues along the way like that's a, a good conspiracy thriller is that with like every major uh, encounter, let's call it, you're peeling away a layer of the onion, right? And you're getting to the heart of the conspiracy. But in this movie, she's just given the whole onion at the end. She doesn't she doesn't pierce anything as she's going. She's left in the dark, fumbling around, wondering what's happening to her until she finally gets back to uh, the uh, computer where the fake Angela is working, and it just she finds everything there. She gets everything from that. Yeah. Um, it's use of like it's way of introducing. I guess this is very time specific, but it's way of introducing a whole bunch of internet concepts to a generation of people. Probably not terrible. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people f- probably found out what like hacking or the internet or a bunch of other stuff was uh, through this movie. Identity theft. Yeah, actually, this might have been the first identity theft uh, online certainly. identity theft movie. Yeah. Probably was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I. I. In a weird way, I was actually kind of expecting this movie to be like prescient, right? Because like it feels like. I thought like I thought going into this movie like oh the net it's gonna be like all sorts of like wacky internet hijinks and like most of them will probably be things that had have actually occurred like the you know like uh, you know the computer is gonna talk or to you or whatever or you're gonna talk to your computer or you know uh, you know we'll be able to you know download information from from anyone anywhere or some you know some company's gonna have all your data and they're using it in nefarious ways or whatever something like that well that kind of that last one is kind of yeah, actually yeah, yeah. What's it was it, like it was it was somewhat prescient but not i was expecting more oh speaking of which the chat room scenes i i love that before they realized they could just throw text on screen 
in front of like an actor's face in like a digital way. Oh no, the chat room's talking. Could you imagine like logging on in the nineties, just having the words like yeah. hurled at and, you? And they're all way? and they're all speaking in like that serial killer Microsoft voice. Bob <laughs> voice, yeah. You are one of us. <laughs> Bonsai buddy telling you how he's gonna kill you. Yep. <laughs> like well, I feel like uh, we're, we're, we've 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 uh, we've hacked this thing uh, as much as we can. Hey. Uh, there we go. Up, up, up. Um, how about uh, we'll take a break and then we'll get back into some fixes for this movie. Cool. Cool. The Edmonton Public Library presents Overdue Finds, a podcast all about what you can find at the library. Join hosts Bryce Crichton and Caroline Land as they discuss movies, music, books, pretty much any sort of pop culture and media you can think of, and likely some you've never thought of. Catch it all every two weeks at epl.ca slash podcast. Perch the Podcast, hosted by Rob Roach of ATB's economics and research team, connects with experts, influencers, and big thinkers who are shaping our province. Each series connects the topic of the most recent episode of Perch, a research publication produced by ATV. Learn more by visiting atv.com slash perch. Welcome back. I have some notes. Okay, we're talking about the net Sandra Bullock movie. Uh, we're going to try to fix this movie here. Um, judging around the table from the conversation, I think Scott's got a lot of notes. Abdul's prepared. Greg's always got some notes here. I don't have that many, so let's let's go. Who wants to go first? Want I think let, I think I want to start just because my um, particular quibble with the movie doesn't really affect any of the plot beats. So sure. if you accept this particular change, it may roll into the rest of your your guys' changes. So okay. Um, my my biggest issue, as I said in the first half, is Sandra Bullock. She's too nice. She's too friendly too for me. She doesn't she doesn't come off as a loner at all. Um, like, like you say, when she, when she's on the beach, uh, with, with hunky Mick handsome pants, she, uh, Jack Devlin. Yeah. Jack Devlin. She doesn't, she doesn't have any moment where she's, um, really concerned or just, or tries to shoo him away or anything like that. Leave me alone. I want to be alone. I'm a big loner kind of thing. There's no moment like that. Um, I think she needs to be, um, much more standoffish. We, I think, almost to the point where we don't really like her uh, off the bat. You know, she's, you know, she she uh, she takes care of her mom, and that makes her sympathetic. But mostly, you know, she's uh, standoffish. Maybe she we get a scene at work where she doesn't, where she kind of, you know, puts people off. They invite her out. She's like, no, or whatever. Or, or we get more of an idea of what her life is like, just how isolated it is, and yeah. you know, maybe she, maybe she, like one of my one of my big changes would be like she doesn't live in suburbia; she lives in the city in a rundown apartment in yeah. a really really messy apartment, right? That's just like she doesn't, you know, she doesn't take care of herself very well and stuff like that. She has like this stereotypical loner motif to her, and her. I think that plays well into this whole idea of, you know, she's isolated herself so much that when her identity is stolen from her, she has no real way of clawing it back. And that creates a sort of really interesting tension for an identity theft movie, right? I like that change. Yep. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You are the guest. Go ahead. I was going to say my change was actually like a riff on that, but... 
why why stop there is kind of my thought right so this film came out very close to another film called safe which is todd haynes his breakout film which is a very masterfully directed art film about a woman who locks herself in her house played by julianne moore it's about the aids crisis right it's about metaphor for uh like the way the queer community felt during the aids crisis it's like make it an art film like make it taxi driver but online right where it's like everything she's just this person who's not sure if she's if there's actually conspiracy theory or if she's fallen into like sort of conspiracy online culture especially in the early 90s she's like sort of being driven insane by disassociation her mom's unreliable because her mom has alzheimer's right like it's the wild west of the online days like go full on to that like conspiracy tilt uh x-files era like everything and anything could be real um and like play it that way right just this very isolated feeling i think that's Leave the audience wondering as much as she is what's actually going on yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah, that might be fun. Uh, I, I like the idea that like she's she's isolated so herself so much that she's losing her grip on reality, and uh, and her her she kind of parallels her mother in that way, who's like actually actually um, like sick, but she's sort of like you know uh, doing it to herself. Oh, mommy issues is a great idea, right? <laughs> like, is she is she losing her grip the same way her mother did? Like, yeah. is there? past trauma there you've got the backstory right she's effectively yeah. a he uh what is it a, a hikikomori at that point cool you might have to explain that yeah. to uh, it's, it's the japanese term for a person who is who is a total shut-in who is just disassociated from uh from the outside world they rarely leave their house they really don't have many relationships it's it's a it's a cultural phenomenon that you see in japan especially with young men, and that's why there is a term for it. Though it does affect women as well. So, Ooh. Yeah. So she said Japanese, her... Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the American equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a little... That that would not allow for my change to work. Well, let's hear yours, and we'll, we'll see which one is better. If better be good. If you don't want to turn it into a psychological horror movie and keep it a conspiracy thriller, um, my change is to give her agency, which is something she lacks in this film. So make let her use her computer skills uh, and do stuff. Because uh, by the end of Act 1, she's got the code for this gatekeeper system. Like, she can, she can get the password and go into it, and she never does. My thinking is that at, at the various story beats, whenever she has access to a computer, she needs to go on that computer and use their system to throw a monkey wrench in their plans, which f- further motivates them to want to get her. Because at the moment, they're just like, give us the disc. And she's like, I literally lost it five minutes into this movie. Why are you still after me? Because they don't believe her. But now she's she's actually become an active threat to them. She's mucking up their plans. And they have more motivation to go after her. And she has agency. She's not reacting through the whole movie. She's acting and giving them reason to go after her. And then reacting to the thing they do to the her well, they're reacting to the thing she's doing to them yeah. until finally she gets to the point where she's like, oh, this, compu- this computer mogul is the real villain. Let's go take down his company. Yeah, she never really seems to care in yeah. this movie what, what the villain is up to or why they're doing it. She right? only cares that it gets them off her back. Yeah. But I think your note actually folds in really well with mine because okay. it's like sure. it's, in the taxi driver sense, instead of going out and shooting somebody, she's basically hacking them right like she's basically causing widespread damage while she loses her mind through 
actively they're, going on because there may or may not be a conspiracy. Ooh, exactly, yeah, right? And, like and, so she's And in the yeah. end she has her uh her like fight club moment where she was she was the the she evil was Greg. <laughs> yeah, she was Greg all along. <laughs> oh, that would be trippy if it turns out that she was actually the person she was fighting the whole time. Oh, I like this a lot. Though not necessarily because of like a dissociative personality. She just Yeah. Like she she's just planted so much and she's just so like alienated from the rest of the world that like she's created so many programs and like she's actually good at her job, right? Like she yeah. has the agency and she's like making stuff and you see her doing that and she at a certain point she's just fighting her own programs that she forgot she made from like three or four years ago. Not in like an AI sense, but just in a sense of like she accidentally deleted her own identity. Yeah. But she believes that somebody's out to <laughs> yeah. get her. Like, or she's like so security yeah. culture focused, right? Like and she believes that the man who's been lurking around is after her when it's just like the pizza delivery guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, I like this as a, as a psychological thriller of, of sorts, as, as opposed to a conspiracy. Thriller. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be. I think that would be a lot of fun. It, you'd also be able to do a lot more. Um, you'd be able to take more chances with the way you're shooting it too. Yes, yes, it would make oh, yeah. it would instantly make the oh, cinematography way more fun. <clears throat> oh my god. She no seriously. She's a total shut in, and she gets talked by the company that she's working for into taking this vacation. It's the first time she's been out of her apartment in years, and she goes to Mexico and leaving her comfort zone like that, like sets her off. It's what causes her to start to unravel. And when she gets back, like she's like the guy on the beach is stalking me, and like somebody stole my purse, and Ooh. oh my god, like my identity has been deleted, and it just it sets her off. And because Jack, uh, like, uh, Jack Devlin is is not even real. Yeah, he's <laughs> some guy on the beach. He's just some guy hitting on her on the beach. Yeah, but but, but now it's you know, wrapped yeah, into the conspiracy. Yeah, she never goes. She oh. never goes out to dinner with him or anything like that. She like it's all in her. It's all kind of in her head, kind of thing. Oh, yeah. that's messed up. Like, because if you weren't in your house for like year, or if you stayed in your house for years, then you left and you just realized, like, oh, every single person I see has a. A uh, story as complex as mine, and that's something you can't interpret outside oh. of yourself. Like you're, you would go crazy. Oh, okay. So the scene where she's uh, in the airport and all the, all the, um, uh, the uh, flights are being delayed, and then uh, and then active again and stuff like that. Like that would be great as sort of like uh, a device to to show like how um, uncomfortable she is. Like she, you you sort of shoot it in a way that makes it like it makes it unclear if like it's actually happening or not, or whether you know. And she's uh, she's just kind of like confused by it. And um, you can you know um, you you have a scene with her on the airport, and that's a great place where where people can feel really really uncomfortable or whatever. So you get you get that whole kind of thing. And she 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 tries to use her computer on the on on the airplane to sort of comfort herself a little bit, right? You can even still have Dennis Miller in the in the movie as her psychiatrist. Yeah. And then, of course, as he's like reaching out and trying to help her after she comes back and she starts ranting about all these conspiracies, she becomes convinced he's in the conspiracy. And she starts projecting onto him that he's one of them. Yeah. So you can you can still keep the psychiatrist character. So my question for all you guys is as now we've now we've turned this this dull conspiracy theory into a to sort of a, a, psycho psychological a psychological art house thriller. Uh, are we keeping Sandra in the role? I think she could pull it off, actually. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I don't think 90s uh, um, 
producers and directors really understood what they had in, in Sandra Bullock at the time. And it would it would be a very different role from the kind of stuff she had been playing. But it would yeah, show, and that would have made it so interesting. Yeah. I, I actually said that to Aaron when we were watching it. It was like to, to cast her against type would have been so interesting at that point in time. Because in her she career. does have that like girl next door sort of yeah. uh mystique. And casting her as the girl next door, who's actually the creepy shut-in, yeah, would have been very because the producer's bold. first choice for a film like this would probably be someone like I know Rosie O'Donnell, right? Like that would have been like they're like, oh, we're just gonna get like someone who's stereotypical, unconventional, and like isn't a movie star. But putting Sandra Bullock in that role would just it would give you so much like latitude to play with. It would maybe even she doesn't realize like as a character that she's like you know a sort of like conventionally attractive woman right like when she's out in the world and like you know a guy is like hitting her up on the beach or something there must she's, be something exactly, suspicious yeah. going on yeah yeah um i think carrie ann moss would be good at this too i, I just watched the matrix like <laughs> last night it's like yeah she was great even now she's great jessica jones yeah yeah Man, we fixed the hell out of this movie. <laughs> Colin, you didn't uh, yeah, provide you? my 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 changes were 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 nowhere near where you guys were going. <laughs> and we took it in a different direction. Uh, if we if we circle back to the, just to so my change would actually just would be um, I I kind of I was going to pick up where you're talking about Haver being um, like a little confrontational and just not over overall likable and like and I think my change would be sort of like if we're turning up Sandra's charm. She can do that in kind of like a snarky, kind of funny way, which yeah. I think would have played well with her. Um, the other thing I, 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 the other thing I was going to mention was that I wonder whether, whether, and it's not, well, even, even, even in the art house psychological thriller that it became, um, kind of cutting uh, like uh, Jack out of it, and actually having it more of it's, it's her versus Greg Microsystems versus her versus a, a certain, you know, her versus an assassin. And a and a and a cyber and a like a cyber terrorist group and a you know evil dot com billionaire, and actually having it more of like a like like Scott mentioned like the, the battle of wits and the battle of of hacking knowledge or computer knowledge between her and like you know this other foe as opposed to just his henchman yeah yeah well I think in our in our current psychological thriller Jack Devlin becomes. Mostly someone who's in her head at yeah. this point. Which, yeah, which well, that's a, How about I have some notes first? We fixed this movie twice. There we go. <laughs> well, um, so here's, here's, let's, let's see, let's see we'll what do, our we'll do conspiracy theory or conspiracy movie looks I, like. I, like I, I, do like, I do like what you guys have done with it. Like, I think that would be, that makes for a much more interesting movie. Um, and I think, yeah, even like, especially if we're twisting it all at the end and that's the big reveal. Yeah. It's like, maybe, maybe not that. necessarily the box office smash that the studio would expect. So Which they didn't get either that, way. Yeah. So. <laughs> what, yeah. Quick Here's, question. Oh, I, th- yeah. I think if we do go down the road of the psychological thriller, though, it should remain ambiguous at the end if it was a conspiracy out to get her or it was all in her head. I oh, think that's ah, the most interesting choice. Yeah. What director? The final. That's my question. What director would you have direct the psychological thriller version of this? Who directed yeah. Seven? You guys You guys can do oh, it. David Fincher? Sure, David Fincher. Yeah? Yeah, that'd be good. Actually, and Fincher's like, he's a tech-driven director too. Like, yeah. he loves new toys. So this would have been like right up his alley. Instead of Alien 3, he could have been making this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But then we would have never have had Alien Three, <laughs> yeah, and we would have never had a great episode of yeah. Alien Three in your podcast. Oh, right now. I don't, I don't like this timeline. <laughs> it's the darkest timeline. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I like where that that went. 
Yeah. Should we get into what this what some of the listeners thought? Yeah, for sure. Sure. Uh, if you wanna if you want to share your thoughts on this movie or any others, uh, you should be following us on many social medias, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I have some notes. Uh, we'll let you know what movie is coming out, and you can get your show notes read on the show because when we're doing an episode, we say, "Hey guys, what's one change you would make to this movie?" Uh, and then uh, people chime in, and then what happens is. Uh, Greg types them up. I print them off on a piece of paper, and I read them like I'm going to do right now. Are you t- are you going long because we still have ten minutes left on the counter? No, absolutely not. Uh, Alan says that uh, he wants us to replace it with sneakers? Question mark. As a tech nerd, this movie hurts to watch. Like physically hurts. Well, Alan, don't do anything that hurts your eyes. I mean, that's not good. No but. love for swordfish. Alan? Which one was on. which one was sneakers? Uh, ooh, the, I re- I'm familiar with hackers. And I remember fish. the name, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think it. I've seen the it. Sneakers have Dan. Everyone's looking at their phone, trying we... to figure out what the fuck sneakers is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, while they're doing it, uh, our good friend Cinematological says, "Jesus, Murphy, uh, hire a technical advisor and then burn the negative," which I feel is par for the course for Cinematological. Yeah, a, fr- a common refrain is as bur- of burn late. the negative. <laughs> uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Sally says, "I would have made Pizza Seventy Three an official sponsor." Since their website is basically in it already. <laughs> was Pizza 73 a thing back then? I don't know. I wasn't in Edmonton at night. Uh, it was probably Pizza Pizza back then. I know. This is a Toronto thing coming out. Because it's... Yeah. yeah, never mind. I don't know. Uh, Actually, no. Pizza 73 probably was a thing back in the 90s. It was just wasn't owned by Pizza Pizza. Did their pizza okay. still taste like wood? Did their pizza still taste like Bullwinkle's pizza? <laughs> is that what it tastes like? That's because they ripped off Bullwinkle's recipe. Oh, well, really? You know that yeah. Burger Baron was still a thing back then. So maybe Burger Baron's the still pizza. a thing right now. Uh, ish. Isn't every Burger Baron separate from every other Burger Baron? Like, they're not actually a franchise? Oh, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. It was <laughs> That's a question for our Burger Baron podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up in your news, <laughs> in your feeds. Uh, so, sneakers. Update on sneakers. Who's got sneakers? Sneakers is a uh, 1992... Ooh, film predates. where computer hacker Martin, played by Robert Redford, heads oh. a group of specialists who test the security of various San Francisco companies. Martin is approached by two NSA officers who ask him to steal a newly invented decoder. Martin and his team discover that the black box can crack any encryption code, posing Ooh. a huge threat should it fall into the wrong hands. Oh. When Martin realizes the NSA men who approached him are in fact rogue agents, they frame him for the murder of the device's inventor. So a conspira- uh, a tech-based conspiracy oh. thriller. Can there we just go. talk about that cast, though? Like Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Ben Kingsley, Mary McDonald, River Phoenix, Sidney Poitier, and David Strathairn. Like, what an incredible cast. Yeah, wow. Um, it's uh, 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, so yeah, maybe you should check out yeah, yeah. Also from the director it. of Field of Dreams? Oh, yeah, this yeah. movie. I, yeah. Yeah. Seems, well, it wasn't on our seems radar. Everyone it's a on yeah, movie. everyone are at we, this table missed this out. This is uh, this will be the I have some notes movie recommendation of the week. Go see sneakers. Are guests allowed to suggest a film for this pod? Like Absolutely. For the future? Um, pump up the volume. Pump up the volume. Uh, Christian, Christian Slater. I, Christian Slater runs a pirate radio station. He's like way too old to be in high school, but he plays a high school whore heartthrob. And the like climax of the film, not to spoilers for pump up the volume, uh, is him like in his like pirate radio van, like doing his last broadcast, like exposing some corruption while like being chased by cops. Um, so much fun! It's such a fun movie, but like it could be amazing. We'll you know what that kind of reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of Woody Harrelson's character in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, actually. 
maybe oh, Roland Emmerich was a big fan. <laughs> Pump up the volume. Yeah, might have been. Uh, Matthew, uh, one more comment to go. Matthew says, this movie does not age well. It's hard to picture this tech as cutting edge, but I guess it was back then. Oh, yes, Matthew. It yes, was it cutting was. edge back then. It would have blown people's minds yeah. to see Sandra Bullock order pizza on the computer webs. On a, on a bunch of CRT monitors that uh, not even flat... CRTs. Nope. The bulbless ones. Just to, I, beige, actually, I actually had to look this up because I couldn't wait, remember, quite remember it, but for, for all you youngins, for all you young kids, so the little square floppy disk uh, that she has, uh, I had to look up, I couldn't quite remember the capacity, but it was about 1.4 megabits was on those. So so if you took a picture with your iPhone today, it would not fit. It would not, not fit that on that. That photo <laughs> would not fit on that disk. Yeah, that's you why go. when you that's why when you uh, bought new programs, they used to come on like 40 of those. Yes. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, that's kind of us. Abdul, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Where can people find you? What, what would you like to plug for the, uh, for the listeners? Okay, I'll plug, I'll plug my own Twitter feed first because that's me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Abdul Y. Malik. Uh, and you can find our show at, at Kino Lefter, K-I-N-O-L-E-F-T-E-R. We're a... Uh, yeah, we're a left-wing podcast that like watches whatever movie is hot this week and sort of break it down from like a, a far left-wing perspective, right? So we look at the film's political content, its analysis, its commentary, um, and sort of what it imparts to the culture at large. Um, we are significantly more raunchy than you are on this show, so content <laughs> warning if uh, if you are offended by you know. They gave me a list of words I couldn't say on this podcast before I came on. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, we highly suggest you check it out. And Scott was on your podcast. Scott was. Ago. If you want to start with our podcast. Uh, you can check out the uh, the Avengers Endgame episode, which uh, features me. And we have a pretty good conversation. Yeah, it's really good. We also had like Brian from Street Fight Radio and popular uh, socialist City Skylines YouTuber Do Not Eat Zero One, who you may have heard of from time to time. There we go. Cool. Thanks. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And I have some notes. Uh, if you like the show, please rate and uh, review us on iTunes. It really helps us out. You can find all of the episodes on the CKOA Radio app. Download it from the Apple App Store. Uh, and remember to check out all of our brothers and sister shows all over the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Uh, new episodes every two weeks, every second week. Uh, and our next episode is going to be... Ah, God. Olympus has fallen. Colin did not care. For I did film. not like this. Yeah, I watched. Yeah, so I, what movie did we originally? What we were originally planning? We were originally going to do Cool World, which was because of a joke I had thrown off in a previous episode for a movie we might do, and we could not find a copy of it to watch. So if you have a copy of Cool World, please send it to us because we do <laughs> we, actually we want to do it. We may be doing a Cool World. I may in fact have a copy of oh, Cool there World. We go. Go. Where, um, <laughs> let right. me check. I Ralph Bakshi is amazing and perfect. Uh, can do no wrong. Yeah, yeah I would still. I would still do. I, I'm, I'm up there. So. In the future. In Keep the an eye future. Anyway, uh, there's a bajillion million podcasts out there, folks. Uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us, and uh, we will see you next time. Keep watching the skies. And keep watching the net. Pizza uh-huh. net. <laughs>
we end up right back where we started. It's a lot of fun. So if you're so inclined, take a listen. We're also part of the Alberta Podcast Network. So you can find us via albertapodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts.